morning. Welcome to the All 49ers show. Jose Sanchez, Grant Cohn. A lot of news breaking this morning. Not a lot of news. One piece of news broke. Nuclear. That the Niners, that if you call the Niners and say, hey, can we trade for Trey Lance? They'll answer the phone and be like, what are you, off- what are you-, what are you offering? <laughs> so they're open for business. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to talk about the Warriors at the end of the show because they might be donezo. We're talking donezo. We're gonna talk- also going to talk about the Kings too because they might not be donezo and there's a lot of Warriors, uh, Kings fans who are, Niner fans, but let's start with Trey Lance. Jose, do you think they're going to trade? Do you think the 49ers are going to trade Trey Lance before or during the draft? Uh, neither. I'm still, I'm still prone to that. It's not going to happen. Not anytime soon. Um, I think, I think it's funny how all this came out as soon as like I wrote that article literally just a day or two ago, but it's, it's, it pretty much just dumbs down to are the Niners really going to trust a third quarterback? Well, when they draft someone, it's going to be a third quarterback anyways, temporarily for Purdy. But they're just going to essentially have – if they trade Trey Lance, they're essentially going to have a rookie, Sam Darnold, and God knows whoever else on the roster that has no idea what the playbook is yet. I'm sure Darnold already has a little bit of a semblance of it, but still it's the difference between reading it and putting it together on the field. And the first step is OTAs, right? So that's the first step. It's like you're going to have all these quarterbacks who don't know how to run your offense all the way up through training camp and then – that's a little bit of a blurry line I see. And then another one is <laughs> Bark Purdy. You don't know how he's going to fare. So wouldn't you hold him on until at least through the preseason, the regular season, at least the beginning of the regular season, see where he's at. Maybe there's a setback. You know, there's, there's so many there's so many like roads that the quarterback position can take for the 49ers that it seems more detrimental to trade Trey Lance than it does to retain him. And especially another thing is, what, what are you even going to get for him? What's the value? Is he even right. worth it, like, getting that a, a third-out pick, if that? Because I think that's the best that someone's going to offer, and I don't think that's worth it of what you can of, instead of just, you know, just keeping him on board and seeing what's up. I feel like the way the report was framed, they made it seem like, man, the Niners don't necessarily want to trade Trey Lance. It's just that, you know, they, they answer for any offer. They'll answer for John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan, and so many teams are interested. And if that's the case, then no, they're not going to trade during the draft. They don't necessarily want to, but I don't really believe that spin. I mean, where did this report come from? If it came from other teams, then yeah, but I feel like if it came from other teams, then Ian Rappaport probably would have mentioned another team that was interested, but he didn't mention any. I'm guessing this I'm guessing this probably came from the 49ers, in which case they want people to know that they're answering calls on Trey Lance, which means they probably want just want a better offer, you know? That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, because, look, I don't see any way. I personally think Trey is probably gonna worth a fourth or fifth, if not any value, to be honest. I agree. I agree. A like, fourth this year, and you may be a conditional yeah. next year, but a conditional is based on playing time, and you can't guarantee that he's going to even play next year if he goes exactly. somewhere playing time. Like, yeah. yeah, conditional based on if he starts a full season and none miss, like something like that. But right. Even then, like, that, that's something what that's if he like. he doesn't? Would you feel a okay? Like if, uh, if I'm four years, I'm thinking like, you know, like, no, I'm not feeling okay with that. Let's a fourth let's and a conditional keep, next year, or just see what you got in Trey. Just see what you got in Trey. It's fine because I think you can still trade him in the regular season by the deadline if you really need need it. That's why I think it's the soonest and the most realistic scenario that you can trade him. Like if he does end up starting week one, like he does, he looks the part in training camp, OTAs, whatever and that. Better than Sam Darnold. Party's barely about to come back. And then he shows a little something in the first few games, but it's not enough for you to keep him over Purdy. So I was like, all right, Purdy starter week four or five. And then it's like, all right, now we got trade bait. Trey Lance going to somewhere. Um, 
I, I just think I just think that's gonna be the real only scenarios where I can see a trade at the soonest because right now it makes no sense. You got you got to feel some practices, and I know OTAs are like no, it's OTAs, whatever. How much does that really matters? But ultimately, it's just we gotta run practices. We gotta see what we got on him, and then we don't even know where the hell Brock Purdy is gonna be at. He just said he just said I don't know if I'm gonna play 2023. You think now's a good time to be like trading one of one of your only assets that knows your whole offense in entirety? It's true. I don't think that's too smart. Yeah, if you think about it, like. This is supposed to be a win now team. If you trade trade lands and Brock Purdy doesn't come back for you know till the, the season starts, you essentially have two. You'll, you'll get whatever quarterbacks you bring in for the offseason are three guys who don't know your offense. So how are you really preparing for a Super Bowl run when you spent your entire offseason with quarterbacks who don't even know your offense and aren't necessarily going to be playing for you this year? Like how useful was that offseason as opposed yeah. to keeping Trey? getting him a full off season worth of work, letting him uh, compete for the job, but letting him earn it also. And then having someone, a quarterback who's been on your team for three years, knows your system and has gone to every single practice and preseason game to prepare for the season. Well, isn't that a better option? Yeah, it is. And don't tell me he's trash because he's not. He would have shown that he was a little inconsistent. He was also no, a rookie. He, he showed some good things. He hasn't failed. You got him hurt. Let him play. Yeah. I think another thing is also like the playbook thing, like getting the offense actually integrated into these players' quarterbacks' head is like should not be dumbed down. It's like, dude, like they were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo getting it down after a year or two and playing with them. Um, maybe that's just him. He's not as you know, he's not as cerebral in that sense. Um, but like, I I think I, I think that's why we saw a, a Brock Purdy jump in last year because like training camp and uh, preseason Brock Purdy looked average to mediocre. Then all of a sudden we see him in that week 10, week 11 game. It's like, wow, Mike, who would have thought what two and a half, three months would have done in the offense. It's probably because he's more integrated and understands. Plus also playing with other players. So all yes. this, again, integration just, it, it matters. Getting this playbook is not easy and time matters. Yeah. And if the Niners tell themselves like, look, look at all the success we had with Brock Purdy last year. We can draft Dorian Thompson Robinson and insert him and he can have success too. Like Purdy didn't play until week 13. You know, Purdy didn't come from a spread offense. I don't know that Dorian Thompson Robinson would just be a, a great week one starter for the 49ers. They might think that, but I, and I like him a lot, but that's not what Purdy did. He needed time, to your point. Batman Lives Triple X, which is, just sounds kind of wrong, says, uh, Grant, you look and talk way more like a Niners fan every day. Man, you have, you're just <laughs> wrong. Easy El Sanchez says, Jose, did you see Guillermo Ochoa kicking field goals a few months ago? He could, he could replace Gould. Who's Guillermo Bring Ochoa? up to the Niners. Bring yeah. him. He can't save him. Well, he still can't save. He's a hell old, and he's over there saving like twenty yard, twenty yard shots. He's a goalkeeper for Mexico. Oh, okay. Michael McCann says Brock needs to be taking notes on this land situation. If he comes back early and isn't close to what he was last year, the team will be like next. Agree, agree. I mean, they're already talking about Sam Darnold like they're looking to the next one. It almost feels like an implied threat. Like, hey, Brock, um, get your ass back to the team as soon as you can. Otherwise, we'll just make the next Brock Purdy. They're speaking like a sense of a of a team that's desperate just to get any quarterback in there that's healthy and efficient. You know, that's that's why that's why when you posted that tweet the, the other week, it's like who is gonna be the 49ers or who should they want the quarterback? And to me, it's like the Niners, it's healthy and good. That's all they care. They don't give a damn what the name is, the draft stat it is. That's why they're fielding these calls with Trey Lance. It's Glocky says Grant said, Who's Guillermo Ochoa? I'm dead. Did you asked that? I thought you just, I just you say I have no idea. I don't why would I know? You really I don't watch soccer. Yeah, I don't think he wouldn't. I don't think that's a slight. So he wouldn't know. I don't watch soccer. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, so the Niners are fielding calls for Trey Lance. Multiple teams have inquired. 
which team you think is most interested, most likely to pull this off? I, I just can't stop thinking about the Houston Texans, to be honest. I, I know I know they got the top two pick and CJ Stroud and Bryce Young's going to fall into their lap. But ever since I watched that D'Amico Ryan's press conference about him really kind of putting an emphasis, the opening head coaching press conference that he had over, over a month ago, um, or actually almost two months ago now, um, about like we don't need to be forced to go into that into that position to go for a quarterback at two. Um, he and then he explained like we just need someone who can run the offense and be efficient. It's like, oh my god, you just Kyle Shanahan clone. So I think when ever since D'Amico's press conference, that is what led me to start believing more in wow, Kyle really just wants either just a homegrown guy that he could just say he's one with and develop himself. Or just someone that could just be a plug and play, or someone that could salvage. That's why that they probably would never go after Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson, even if they had the means to do so. So I think D'Amico Ryan's and the Texans. That's where you can look at. Let's just go after a primetime defensive player or a primetime offensive player, make a boost our team, and then we can always like bring in Trey or bring in some other guys, and then we can make it work. I, I think they're, they're maybe not the top team, but I think they are definitely probably second or third that are going to be looking for Lance because they got the offense, Bobby Sulwick, right? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to go with Minnesota, and I feel there's been some smoke there. There was reports that the Niners were in, were inquiring about Kirk Cousins at the Combine because they didn't really know what was going on with Brock. Then there was, a, there was a report today from Pro Football Talk that the inquiry was about trading Trey Lance for Kirk Cousins, essentially. So it seems like there's, you know, obviously the Niners are interested in Kirk Cousins. Been for a long time. It was reported a couple months ago. It seems like the Vikings are interested in Trey Lance. Um, their general manager... Used to be with the 49ers. He left in 2019. He left in 2020. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. Um, he's he was with this organization a long time. I'm sure, he knows a lot of the scouts that pick Trey Lance and like Trey Lance. That's one too. Uh, and they're in the position in the draft where they can't take one, any of the top four quarterbacks. They have to decide like if they want to move on from Kirk Cousins. Do you take Hendon Hooker and sit him for a year? That's possible. Or do you trade for Trey Lance? Um, I can see why they'd be interested. Those, so those are two. Those are two teams: Minnesota, Houston. Yeah, they're pretty about much four for a quarterback too, right? Because they're not. This is pretty much the last year, the Cousins deal, and those two have like have stalled out and are probably far away from any negotiation for an extension. So it's just most likely, I think, would be Cousins last year. So they're in the quarterback market. Yeah, I definitely could see them looking for Lance. Any team that sort of has a, a, an older quarterback who has like one year sort of left, um, Tennessee. You can see them doing it. I mean, they have that under center play action game with Ryan Tannehill. Like they could bring in Trey Lance, teach him the offense, put him on the field halfway through the year or right away. That's another team. Detroit with Goff. I don't know. I could see them do it. They like to run the ball. They have a really good Actually, offensive Actually, Detroit is a team I mentioned, like a, a sneaky team. Like even though there's no relation, but it's like, dude, that would be perfect. Like, I mean, keep him for another year. But it's like if you're a team that's going to trade for Trey Lance, it's like you kind of probably want to play him immediately. You don't want to put put him like another year under the table again. Um, okay, I got a team for you there. So that's where Houston comes in. What about Tampa Bay? Yeah. He would just compete with, with Baker. He probably would lose that in the camp just because. Maybe. I don't know, just because I think they probably like Or you know what? You know what would happen? They'd, they'd give Baker the start, but they'll pull the plug on Baker pretty quick if he messes up, like six, seven games Yeah, there you go. And, and then, then get Trey Lance like, ready, and then he'll be the savior. That would be perfect because then he's got the he's got Mike Evans, who's perfect for his for his type of game going downfield. Um, he would just need to really work on like with Godwin, just like those rele- those getting those timings down and just the windows because Godwin's great going across like a little like seam and crossing routes and stuff like that. 
Um, but yeah, those are definitely there's definitely a lot of teams on the table. I think there's even like more sneakier teams if we really, really like dug into it. Um, I mean, it, you just could the Dolphins be a team to like look around? Maybe. I mean, I don't know if they can but afford it. Look picks. at it this way. If if uh, multiple teams are interested, they're all kind of offering the same thing. Let's say they offer a day three pick this year, round four, plus a conditional next year that could become a second round pick if he plays a lot. Well, then I, if if that's the offer and it's similar from a lot of teams, I'm sending him to the team where he could play. That's not Detroit. It's not Minnesota. It's not uh, Tennessee. It's either Houston or Tampa. Okay. If if the, either one of those teams interested and they gave the deal, I'm sending him there because he could play there and you might get a comp pick. And the and the, and the, the the conditional pick would be tied to playing time, not performance. Playing time, not performance. Yeah, yeah, not performance. Yeah. It wouldn't make, I wouldn't even know what the contingency you'd put. For you send him to a bad team. Yeah, you don't want. I was about to say, and then send him to a bad team. Like it's like it's like a team where he can play, and ideally a team that he could be bad at. That way, it's like you're gonna keep, you're gonna boost that pick anyways, and then it's like a double dip. It's like okay, he played a lot. Boom, compensatory gets higher, and then the the pick is already higher because the team sucked. All right. If the 49ers trade Trey Lance, if they give up three firsts and a third to move up for this guy, sit him for a year, get him injured, start him four games, give him $15 million, give up on him before he failed, and get a couple day two picks maybe for him, um, will anyone be held accountable for this abysmal failure of a move? If this happens, yeah, I'm gonna hold them accountable. <laughs> for the will the Niners? Fans. But what I'm saying is, like, will anyone get fired? Will, will Jed York say this is unacceptable? No. Someone has to be held accountable. You're fired. No. Someone? No. 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 Hell no. 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 Not at all. Especially because they were able to find Brock Purdy and like he was able to look good. Which again, I don't. I kind of hate the idea of like credit Kyle Shanahan for developing Brock Purdy. It's like, what did they develop him on? I'm I'm confused. Like, I get it. From point A to point B, yes, he looked he looked mediocre to average preseason, and all of a sudden he came onto the scene and looked and like pretty damn good. But my idea is like, was wasn't it just more integration in the playbook? Wasn't more time? I mean, the 49ers, the only reason why they they had no clue Purdy could do that at all. I, I'm really I really feel confident that they had no clue Purdy could do that. They threw Zero. him there. Into into there because why they had no choice. Jimmy freaking broke yeah. his leg again. Yeah. So and then they're Purdy never would have played last year if Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't gotten injured. They exactly. never would have benched. Per they never would have benched Jimmy for Purdy. Nope. Nope. No. No. And it's, there they was nothing not to have. really indicate. Like, look, it's not just like. Again, I only went to like a week of practice, but he looked bad to me. Park Purdy in training camp and whatever from you and everyone else who who was all in attendance, no one really made any resounding like this Purdy guy, man. Like nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing was there. And it's not like they're really working with him much, if at all, during the regular season. So my thing is just like defense is unprepared. He was playing with a better team, integration in the offense, and maybe he just maybe he just always had it. He just need more a little more time. But either way, I don't really give him credence to that. So to me, it's like this whole idea of like he's gonna get credit and probably find himself in a safety net for for whiffing on Lance because he had Purdy isn't really so much. You know, so a good. But like, you don't know you have Purdy. I mean, he got eight starts and a bum UCL. Like, what do you? He, he, you don't know what you have there. Yeah. Crazy to me. Someone he needs to be held accountable for this. Someone needs to get fired. I mean, uh, what's crazy is every single coach who passed on Patrick Mahomes has been fired, except for Kyle Shanahan. And now he tried to, you know, atone for that sin by trading up 
for Trey Lance when he when Patrick Mahomes fell to him. He tried to atone for the sin for trading up for by trading up for Trey Lance and then blew that one. And it, it could send him away and he can end up being good too if he actually gets playing time and a good coach. At what point do you say, Kyle, you're good at a lot of things, but you're hopeless at the quarterback position, and that means you got to go, dude. It's a quarterback-driven league. At what point? I don't know. If it was – if it wasn't – if they were not – and this kind of also was an article I wrote the other week about why the 49ers can afford to whiff on Lance if he's, like, traded or whatever, he doesn't pan out. There's still somehow always in playoff contention. Again, the division's weak, the conference is weak. So because of that – he salvages everything. And it's not just – I think I, that's – I give that more credence than because, well, if he didn't have Purdy, it's like, no, 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 no. I don't give credit for him for Purdy. Mm-hmm. I give credit because somehow they're still goddamn competitive and they going are. to the NFC Championship games, even though they completely so far are looking and trading that direction, wasted three first-round picks that they spent on this guy. Um, I, I guess in retrospect, you also look at it like, well, every quarterback in that draft looks pretty bad right now. I mean, Justin Fields is the second-best one, and he can barely be average passer. So it's like, what are we really looking at here? So I think if you're Jed York, it's again, this is why I always say, like, I don't think York really cares so much about winning. It's so much about relevancy. You know, it's like, it, that's, that's all I care about. You know, it, it's, you kind of see it with the low level teams in NBA and baseball too. It's just like, we, don't, we just want to be, we just want to be marketable. That's all, that's all we care about. Yeah. But on the other hand, like this team was up 10 in the Super Bowl with six minutes left in 2020. That was a little bit more than three years ago. And I think the feeling at the time was this team is so close and they're going to win a Super Bowl. But now, three years later, it kind of feels like it's slipping away. I mean, this core is all expensive and old. Eric Armstead just missed half the season. Like, at, at some point, they're going to have to reload and it won't be this group anymore. And you don't get eight revenge tours. It's the NFL's a violent game and it feels like they're kind of, they're, they're missing it. They're missing it. Yeah, it's because of the quarterback position. Oh my god! Because of the quarterback position, it's like you can Jeez. hit. It's like it's literally like it's literally like video games. Like it's like yeah, man. You're playing Pac-Man in the arcade, whatever. It's like all right, we 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 can get well, the Niners can get through level one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No but problem. They can't get through level ten because they don't mm-hmm. have that final ability, and that's the quarterback right. who is. And they good. turn around and be like, yeah, but the game was fun. I I like what levels one through nine. We enjoy levels one through nine. Like shut up. But it's because get out it's of like, here. Yeah. I think speaking as like a fellow video gamer in that sense, because I know I can get to, to nine so easily. It's like, I just got to make this tweak, this one little yeah. tweak, this one little adjustment and I'm good. And that's what they keep thinking. That's what Kyle keeps thinking. That's what this whole team. Keeps right. thinking. But what is the tweak? What is the adjustment? It's trade Trey Lance. Now it's, it's develop Sam Darnold. Mark Jacobs says they're moving Trey because they're trading for Aaron Rodgers. All right, let's talk yeah. about that. Uh, if the Niners trade for Trey Lance, does that mean they have a Hall of Famer in their back pocket, such as Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Kirk Cousins is not a future Hall of Famer, but you know what I'm talking about. Some established starter is that it can't be Sam Darnold, but is is that their the ace up their sleeve here? Uh, I think regardless if Trey gets traded or not, that's still going to be on the table and talked about. I mean, again, mm-hmm. it's. It's the same thing of why I mentioned, like, hey, Matt Ryan could be a worst case scenario if the, like, you know, Sam Darnold, Trey Lance are underwhelming, and especially if Purdy has a setback. Um, I, I think if you're going through OTAs, Trey Lance, Darnold, and it's like, okay, huh, wasn't so inspiring. Let's go to training camp. Then you're two weeks into training camp, and it's like, oh God, dude, what do we, what do we have here? We don't have nothing. nothing. <laughs> What's up with these guys? And we're feeling a little scary, yeah. and then Purdy is like, I don't know, we're still unclear with this guy. Yo, Tom, hey, Tom. 
<laughs> please Let's get this guy on the, like please. i think at that point you start freaking out because you again you don't want to waste this super bowl roster this playoff contending roster you don't want another 2020 you don't you want don't another 2020. 2020 and this is, no. goes back to the same point it's like okay then you're going to rely then on that rookie that you're going to most likely draft and so that's why it makes no sense for me to, for for them to trade Trey Lance it's like dude this guy at least has a leg up at least you would think just on the playbook alone mentally right? mentally mentally yeah. at least yes mentally yeah. at least maybe physically in that cuz she's still not there yet but whatever you got to at least see that through so you, yeah. so you're going to trust it in that so even if you do get like that DTR or whoever it's it's still not enough to really instill a full amount of confidence or at least I wouldn't think so that'd be a crazy jump if he's looking that great so i think that's why you have Brady definitely on the table or whoever else could be like behind, behind, uh, behind the uh, eight ball in terms of getting onto the team. Yeah, um, I I think that's the only way they can sell uh, trading Trey Lance to their fan base. It's gonna be a very unpopular move, but if they have Tom Brady waiting in the wings or Aaron Rodgers, I don't want Aaron Rodgers. But if fans would be fine with Aaron Rodgers, fans might even be fine with Kirk Cousins. Although to me, he's not that big of an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a guy's not gonna win a Super Bowl ever in his life. I feel very confident about that. Kirk Cousins not gonna win a Super Bowl. Never gonna happen. Never, never, ever. So don't do him. But Tom Brady, like if they get him, then okay. You know what? Like you're probably the wrong team for Trey Lance anyway. And, you know, Tom Brady's great. So win a Super Bowl. But you got to win a Super Bowl. You, ha- you have to win the Super Bowl. You have to. Just, you have to. I, just I don't think, know if the Niners want that kind of pressure, man. That's a lot of pressure. I'm just, I just think like if you're going Tom Brady route and it's like, is, is that why you're going for wide receivers in the draft? You're looking for someone who's more of like a prototypical receiver. Get a right nah, tackle. That's a little too. Far. <laughs> All right, are they? I mean, you know, if you're going to get Brady, then you're really going to have to secure that like front line at Offensive least. Line. I mean, at least yeah. you got these other guys who have a little mobility to delay that or at least give you a nice little stiff arm onto that what those weaknesses are in your offensive line brady's just gonna be a sitting duck all day in there you better hope you got, you better hope you bring like a nice stone wall there restriction everything well um i hope kyle shanahan's ultimate legacy isn't that he sent tom brady into like for real retirement with an injury because that's kyle shanahan's pattern right now um but i think it's interesting like it <laughs> For all they gave up for Trey Lance, if they trade him away, I don't know. It's just, again, what you could say is, when this all plays out, you could say is the Niners were the team that traded three three firsts and a third for a guy who played one season in FCS football. That's what they did. And then they traded him away for a third after he started four games in the NFL. Like, when you put it like that, it's just so incompetent. So incompetent. So don't do it. (laughs) After that, that's that's why it's like just don't even just don't just start trading all your firsts at this point because when you even when you you use them, it's away. like it never works. This, this team is terrible in the first round. Terrible. Nick Bose is the only one. He's probably the most no brainer. I don't know how much credit you can give to him. If anything, you should say thank you to the Cardinals because mm-hmm. we that you already knew they were going Kyler Murray it was the worst kept secret. Ayuk mm-hmm. second best, but you're you're probably not going to keep him. You don't know 50-50. Other than that, everyone else whiff. You know, McGlinchey, yeah. like, great, you got five years out of him, but it's like, all right, he, you don't draft in the top ten for someone just to leave. You know, like, oh, they couldn't afford him. Well, yeah, they couldn't afford no. him because they let him hit free agency. Why? He stinks. No, you draft a guy in the top ten for him to be a franchise cornerstone for multiple yes. fran- for multiple uh, contracts. That's why you don't draft running backs in round one because they get hurt so much, a lot of them don't get a second contract. The, why you you want to give your first-round picks a second contract, especially top ten because you don't get to draft there very much. Those are cornerstone players. You not yeah, like plug and play 
freaking mediocre starters. Manny Fresh says Trey not getting traded. No way Darnold starts. No way Darnold starts. Yeah, the Niners aren't that crazy. Maybe. Tony says no one will be held accountable because Jed is a nerd. <laughs> nerd. Nerd. <laughs> I am your leader, says no one. Uh, someone needed to get fired for thinking Kinlaw could replace Buckner. DJ Jones oh. saved us. That's a good point. DJ Jones did save them. My God. And that was the one guy free agency last year. I was like, you know what? The Niners are going to come back and be like, damn, I wish. I always write the article about like, who are they going to regret? Feels things like, damn, I wish we still had them. He was the one. William Bonnet says it's annoying to the fan base, but how frustrating do you think the quarterback controversy each season is to the vets on the team, the guys and win in a uh, the guys in win a Super Bowl now mode? I think the Niners um, get a kick out of it. They think they don't need a quarterback. They think they can win with yep. anyone. I think they like being the team that's always got this quarterback drama. I think they love it. This is why you can't have players like pick coaches, teammates, whatever, do all this stuff, whatever, because. These guys, this core in the 49ers, jump easily. It's jump ship like like they, they fell into pretty they fell in level pretty after like those first two, three starts. And it's like, hey, this guy won. And the All fact right. he looked decent, but even just if like he didn't with look Jimmy, decent, even if he didn't look decent, it's like they associate winning. It's it's the same thing why I always give LeBron so much slack. It's like this guy always looks at these players. What is this guy thinking of? He's choosing the players, and it's like they're not yeah. fit. These no. guys just see like winning, winning matters. That's all I'm, like, yeah, no doubt yeah. winning matters. You're a competitor, that's what you want, but it's like there is like should be an oversight, a huge like all 22 view in terms of like projection, and a big like, picture associated with winning. But yeah, it's not the driving factor that you think he is. You just think he is because he's your teammate and your bias and all this stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Manny Fresh says, I think they moved up to get Rodgers. That's why they uh, did it a month early after they that blew up. They had to take Trey. What do y'all think? Mm -hmm. I think they moved up to take Rodgers two years ago, get it, get an asset that they could, but I mean. Why would you consolidate three first round picks into one? I mean, just send your first round picks to Green Bay. They can do, make that trade if they. I mean, why is the third pick more? I don't know. Because your pick right now is always more valuable than your picks in the future, especially okay. if you're going to put Rodgers. Because if you imagine you put Rodgers on that 2021 team, that Niners pick is going to be top four every year. It, it already okay. is every year. Good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. I, okay, I, thank I you. I like that better. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Jose's more. Jose's smarter than me. Thank you for explaining that. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. And they blew it. So, well, then good in try, that case, I would say, like, you did all that without really putting a negotiation or affirmation or confirmation with the Packers first. You did that first and then sought the Packers right. after. That's stupid. Bad process. That's malpractice, then. Malpractice. All right. Hey, I'm going to sell real... my car and be without driving one and just to see if I can buy your car. Oh, no, we don't yeah. have a negotiation. Well, crap. I'm stuck without a car now. Yeah, now I got a bike, which is where the Niners are. Now I got to settle for this new car that hasn't been test run. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I want to I want to point this out before we move on to uh non-quarterback stuff. I think people don't really understand what's going on with Brock. I think people think he had this surgery on March 10th and the 49ers got the results. Maybe they did if Brock shared them with them, but he doesn't have to. These are like confidential medical records. You know, there's laws about this, HIPAA, H-I-P-P-A. He would have to sign this over to the 49ers. They could request it. He could say no. So I don't know what they know. But if Brock's being represented well by his agent, he would say, no, you don't get to see my medical records. And so when the Niners say stuff like, when they say stuff like he could be back at the beginning of training camp or he could be back in eight months or it could be, it's possible that they just don't know, that they're guessing like us and they're making you know educated guesses. 
but that the only people that really know the actual results of his surgery are the surgeon, Brock, his agent, his parents, his family, and people he, he shared it with. Maybe he shared it with the Niners, maybe not. That's the way I look at it. I always viewed it as that they're kind of just treating it like a worst case scenario almost. Like we got to be prepared for the worst in this sense. And we don't know. We don't want to put all our eggs in one basket like in, in that way. Like I don't want to like say like, oh, yeah, he's going to be ready to go. And then God forbid if it's just one week delayment. It's like Kyle said he was going to be good on August 13th. And he's not back until August 21st. So I think it's I, – I just think they're just trying to be careful with the words with him. And so much like they don't want to like say too many things. Like, oh, he's going to be good. He's going to be this and that. Um but to 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 be in your way, your in your way of thinking, I would say like maybe the Niners are saying that because in their ex depressor, they kind of put pressure on Brock to come back in a way. So mm -hmm. maybe when they're at the annual meetings, they're trying to speak into a sense of we don't know, take his time, all that stuff. So that maybe that was their version of like leveling with him almost, like giving him that time, not to like put too much of the hot iron to him. To me though, when Kyle Shanahan, every time he opens his mouth and talks up Sam Darnold, that's a threat to Brock. I love I love Sam Darnold. Like, I don't think that much of you, Brock. Like, yeah, I appreciate what you did, and I trust you to run my offense, and I want you to be my starting quarterback, but I made you. And if you mess around, I'll make Sam Darnold too. That's what it feels like. And I feel like, man, Brock, call that bluff, dude. You have nothing to worry about with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is not taking your job. Call that bluff. Do what's best for you because the Niners can always get another quarterback. You can't get another elbow. That's it. This is your one elbow, man. Make sure it's good. Seriously, they don't care about you, dude. They don't care about you. You're a depreciating. No, you're a depre uh, yeah. They don't care. I mean, they, they he just, he doesn't he doesn't need to he doesn't need to see Kyle's sense. I mean, they just look at the way they're treating Trey Lance. All of a sudden, it's like we don't care. We already spent all these picks for this. They only gave him one year of a chance, and God forbid it happened an injury. And now all of a sudden, it's like, well, no, we don't care anymore. We're not prioritizing him. Which again, it's like they don't. At this point, when you're a winning team, they were losing, sure, but. They necessarily don't owe him anything. So I think with Purdy, it's like, dude, again, there's just there's thirsty for winning. <laughs> what this team does with winning, there's it's just a drug to them. Attach anyone, put anyone who's healthy there, anyone who can run. Yeah, because if you think about it, this core that's been around forever, they went from being the worst team in the league, they went from being basically defeated one in ten to undefeated, and I think that was a very it made them like addicted to to winning regular season games. They they will not take a step back. They're not going to go back to the to the days when they were awful. And they they had a slip up in 2020. They they would much rather be respected among the best teams in the league than take a step back to take to take the ultimate step forward. They won't do that. It's too painful what happened in the past. I think it really even more started, or at least not more started. 2017 definitely started. But in 2019, I think it really took precedent and had to new heights when they made that surprise season and went as far as the Super Bowl and they had it on the cusp because that's when your real core gets there. Like Nick Bullis, our favorite water is more established. All you know, all these players. And then you, you fall down so low in 2020, it's like, oh, hell no, screw that. Because as much injuries and low-level performances they had in 2020, if they just had an average quarterback that year, someone who could run the offense and play decent, I think they make the playoffs that year. So I think that's forever just scarred on them. Losing the Super Bowl scarred on them. That scarred on them. And then now you have the NFC Championship game this past year scarred on them. And it's like, dude, this quarterback position, just get someone healthy and someone efficient. They don't care. And they think, like, we don't need someone elite because if you're the player thinking, I'm good. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, I'm good to make him look good. Mm -hmm. So it's all, it's almost like a trickle down effect. All these guys. And then you wonder why, like, you get the George Kittles and all these other players who kind of almost resonate with Kyle in that sense of the quarterback position. Yeah, 
Anthony Adams says, uh, the Solomon Thomas pick should have gotten everyone fired. No one saw right. Mahomes coming. Uh, I get that, but Watson was a pretty ideal selection, and we blew it. I thought it should have been two guys. Yeah, he had two guys. Like, Watson had accomplished everything in, in college, national championships. No Heisman, but Kev F says, I almost wonder if people knew a little bit about Watson coming out. He dropped for no reason. The NFL, I mean, oh, they yeah. have investigators. Like, it almost felt like Houston knew, and they were trying to sort of work with him. And then he requested a trade, and they were like, okay, well, good luck. Not helping you anymore. I don't know. I, I'm very cynical about the league. And if a guy like Deshaun Watson is really good and he can help a team, teams know. Teams, you know, teams protect you. Number one cover-up league. I'm just saying. Kev F says, which quarterback would sell the most ticks in Jersey? Um, Brady. Brady. Brady, yeah. Brady. That's Brady like for sure. He's like the biggest star. The roster wouldn't matter. They're all going to go anyways. Tyler Brady. says, I have a question for both of you, Grant and Jose. What happens if we trade Lance and Brock is not ready as well and Donald starts? Oh, my God. They're well, going to look like fools then. Fools. Like which is, it's going to circle back to, why did they trade him in the first place? Right. You don't have adequate backup. You have a rookie. Um, that's why I don't think they're going to trade him unless they got Tom Brady waiting in the wings. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't it. think it's they're going to trade him anytime soon. It makes no don't. sense to do that right now. It's, it's not risky. worth whatever that third round, fourth round pick is going to be. Agree. To, to salvage, to, it, it could probably derail your season or at least get put you to a poor start. Yeah, that fourth round pick this year plus the conditional next year isn't really that great considering you don't even know if he's going to play for whatever team you send him to. So you could be getting a fourth and a fourth. Great. Wonderful. When you could have just kept him. Corey Hyde says, I, I am wholeheartedly convinced that plan A for 2021 was to trade for Deshaun Watson. Lynch and Shanahan were ready to write a blank check for him. Uh, massage gate occurred. They panicked and traded up. Sure. Okay. Maybe. I don't remember them being attached to them. Attached to Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. I also feel like they really thought Trey Lance was going to be good. Someone did. Kyle, Mike. I don't know. Let's get off the quarterback thing for a second. Let's talk running backs. The 49ers. Had a visit with Texas running back Roshan Johnson. This is Bijan Robinson's, you know, backup. Also a good player. Uh, if you're wondering where Roshan Johnson is projected to get drafted, end of the third, which is where the Niners have three picks. And I know you're thinking, there's no way the Niners are going to draft a running back in round three for the third straight year. You must not know Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. If you definitely think that's the case, it's definitely on the table. Uh, real quick, I'm looking at Roshan Johnson. He is six feet tall, 225 pounds, ran a 4.58 official, um, 4.53 handheld at the combine, looking a lot physically like uh, Ty Davis Price, who was brought in to replace Trey Sermon. And Ty Davis Price was worse. So it's possible that they're bringing in a guy to replace Ty Davis Price. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I would not write it off. If he did it once... If you did it twice, do it, again. Do it yeah. a third time. Why not? Go yeah. three for three. You got 11 picks. Round. I mean, you're not hurting for picks. You can do it, you know? You got 11 yeah. picks total, and yeah. a lot of these you can always bundle up to go higher, whatever. It's like, <laughs> at this point, it's like, if you're the 49ers, it's like, if he's going to be there, if he's if his value is there in the third round, and you're getting him at the end of the third round, it's like, you can see it as a value pick almost. It's like, yeah, value pick, and I got two enough running backs. We're scarred from a year ago when we had like seven running backs by week four, ran through. Um, Elijah Mitchell is injury prone. And we want to see if this guy can compete with TDP. So it's like, I definitely think it's on the table. Uh, I would not be hard for like they're definitely drafting one. <laughs> they're definitely drafting one at some point. And the third is definitely not off the table. I'd see it as almost like 
almost as likely. I say it's a toss-up, but even then, it's the fact it's a 50-50 toss-up. That's pretty damn high because no, no way in hell should they draft a court. I mean, running back in the third round. Do not. You don't need to. You found you have enough running backs who can do that. I mean, you, you guys have an eye for it in the later rounds. Elijah Mitchell, uh, uh, Jordan Mason. You, you guys have the evidence literally recently. So why keep going high for it? Why? I know, right? Okay. I know because because you know it's the definition of insanity. But <laughs> let's be let's be clear here. They drafted Ty Davis Price for a reason. There's a specific skill set they thought he had that they wanted. And what I saw from him was he he's, he's not good. Um, I, he's just not good. But if they're giving up on him, but they want that skill set, then look at this guy. You know, he, maybe maybe they feel this guy would actually give them what they hope Ty Davis Price would give them. Roshan Johnson. I don't know. I'm looking at his uh, draft profile on NFL Network. They say he's the model of consistency. Running style is highly determined and very physical. Creates yardage with broken tackles. Just one career fumble. Willing and capable in pass protection. Four-phase special teams experience. Seems like the kind of guy the Niners would like. That they would love. <laughs> that they would yeah. absolutely love. Um, yeah. I just wonder, like, did he, is he another one-year wonder? Like, uh, like Ty Davis Price? I mean, I know he was back up to Bijan. It's not like he was getting so many, so much playing time. Uh, during his let me tell you. All right, so he had, ooh, yeah. I mean, he didn't really play that much. Yeah, that's uh, he had ninety three carries. This he had three hundred ninety two carries in college, twenty two, twenty three touchdowns. Now, maybe that's a good thing, right? Like he hasn't been overused. He's he still got some tread on his tires. Um, but then it goes back to the same point: the Niners are just projecting hella hard, and they think they could see a glimpse. You don't of really everything. know. And it's like if that case, if that's the case. Yeah. Then I know it's only a third round pick, but third round picks. Still low key are weighted to a degree. They're weighted. You could probably get. Dude, they this got guy Fred Warner in round three. You need a linebacker. You 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 could go get an all pro, a, a Pro Bowl linebacker. You've done it before. Yeah, but now you're gonna try running back again. This guy, I don't like it. Go get a right like tackle or something like that. I was looking. I was looking on a list of right tackles on on the on a draft guy from Athletic, and this is I saw one from was it Ohio State. Like, it sounded like it would fit the 49ers mold because he's like, he knows RPO. He can, he's a great run blocker, but I think pass blocking is a little bit off, but yeah, just go find someone than one of those guys or something like that. Or any literally go get a corner. I'd rather you get a corner. How about I get a corner? I like that. I'd rather you get a quarterback in round three than a running back. But yeah, I think they're going to get, I think they wanted something that tight of his price doesn't provide. And frankly, Jordan Mason, isn't that He's different. He's not as fast. I think he's really good, but there is some particular skill set, and I think it has something to do with Debo. I think they want someone who can sort of do what Debo does. It's a real running back, uh, someone who's about two twenty, runs you know four five, maybe a little bit, a little bit faster with that quick burst that Debo has, so they don't have to keep using their twenty five million dollar wide receiver back there. And it's not Ty Davis Price. It's not Jordan Mason, although he's good at what he does. Maybe it's this guy. I've never seen him play. We'll have to see. He went to Texas. Kyle went to Texas. It's such a te- it's such a Kyle pick. You already know. You would you think they know. would try to find like another scat back that way they could spell for McCaffrey and mix in with Debo, and then God forbid any of those two get injured because the likelihood is they will miss some games, and then you could just kick this guy in there, and he could be like the the other gadget player. Yeah, uh, Frankie HB says the remedy for any 49ers quarterback to gain fan support dot 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 just be the quarterback while they are winning. Yes. Garoppolo, dot, dot, dot. Purdy, dot, 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 dot. Larnold, dot. Larnold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to win right away, and you got to go on a – it just feels like a short-sighted way to pick a quarterback. Like, it is. how many Hall of Fame quarterbacks didn't win their first four games? I mean, why is that stupid? Four, a a, a month determines a career. Short-sighted and short-tempered and short-patience with young guys. He pulls the plug on them. 
Yeah, that's right. All right, let's talk basketball. Draymond Green got suspended for game three. Stupid. I didn't even think he should have got ejected. I felt that whatever happened to him should have happened to Sabonis. Sabonis was the instigator. Green took it too far. I mean, it's playoff basketball. It almost felt to me like WWE stuff, like a lot of <laughs> acting, a lot of acting and, and uh, posturing, but no one got injured. Nothing bad happened. And the NBA freaked out and took sides with, with the guy who instigated, suspended the other guy, and really affected this series. We're going to talk about you know what it means for the series, but what do you think of this decision to suspend Draymond? For game. It's soft. It, it, even the same thing back in 2016. It's like the, only the NBA would suspend. A, a, look, and Draymond's not as much of a star player anymore, but only the NBA would like suspend one of their one of the, a key player in one of their best series, if not one of the best series in playoffs right now, just because of some little. It, it's not, and it's not even like he's the one that it was nothing. Started it was it, like, so blown out of proportion. At this point, look, at this point, you're going to find him. You're going to, you already ejected him. Like that's enough at this point. It's like, all right, that's fine. That's it. You did it. You know, and it was like, what was it with four minutes left? Right. Two. So that was enough for maybe Jamal could have helped. And maybe when they tied the game up by that three minute mark, that could have maybe gave them another push, but that was enough already at that point. Now you're going to suspend him, but it's because all his history, his history, like what's, what do you mean? It's history. That's from, messed up. What, six That's years messed ago, up. Seven years ago. So yeah. what is that? Aren't they being yeah. prejudiced against him at this point or stereotyping him to a degree? Or Which is funny because they're supposed to be the woke league, right? Like the, the the NFL is the problematic conservative one, but the NBA is the woke league. And they're like, it's like using uh, like the three strikes rule against him. Like, yes, oh, I don't think we do that anymore. What the hell? Yeah, what? Are you kidding? And again, it's not like Draymond just walked over to Sabonis and stomped on him out of the blue. Like Sabonis tried okay. to trip him. I would have been like, all right, yeah. All yeah, right. Sabonis tried to trip him. I, and so every single player in the league that's talked about this has come down on Draymond's side, from J.J. Redick to Shaq. Every single one is like, you know what, Damian Lillard. I, so I think that's crazy. And again, the NFL, so let's talk not, not about like right and wrong, but how stupid the NBA is. This is oh, a yeah. great series, great series. And this rivalry between Sabonis and Draymond is profitable. Like, you could market this. Draymond Sabonis, too. Watch him Tuesday night. Will they get into it? Fans like violence. Even the, the, the idea that it could happen. Why do fans watch hockey? Because there might be a fight that night. Let's be honest. Are you kidding? It's hockey. So, yeah, they blew it. Like this. Now, t people are going to tune out of this series. It, people think it's over. It's not the real Warriors team. They blew it. This is a second-tier uh, league that had a chance to get a blockbuster first-round playoff. A series and they fumbled it. Amazing, but it's that's the NBA. That's why people don't care. It's funny, Graham. Yeah. This is why I always say, like me, out uh, me, and my cousin always say, the NBA is in the gutter. Like the NBA has been in the gutter for the last like several years. And this is just another example. They're just doing all these stupid things. Like, wow, you're suspending him. Like nobody, literally nobody on this God Green's earth wanted to see Draymond Green suspended. Not even Kings fans, because some Kings fans out there thinking right. like Draymond. We can beat him legit. We can beat him legit. We don't need help. Yeah. I mean, you're already too old against the Windjam on the court. What does yeah, it matter? You don't like, need help. This just feels like it puts an asterisk on it, which is unfair because the Kings, not to take anything away from the Kings, they're a hell of a team. And if they beat the Warriors, it should be a great accomplishment. But this cheapens the whole thing. And it's not their fault. It's the NBA's fault. It's We know what's going to happen. It's going to be like, like you said, like we have some Niner fans or Kings fans right now. It's going to be just like the NFC Championship game. That was an asterisk loss. We lost without a quarterback. Right. 
So if you're right. the Warriors, you can stuff. be like, well, we lost one game. Asterisk. They, they already do the same thing against LeBron James when he was suspended, uh, when Draymond was suspended uh, in 2016 for game six. I mean, so <laughs> it, it's definitely just going to – I just think it was pathetic. It's putrid. It, it always bothers me that it's always – in sports and all the yeah. sports, even in some aspects beyond life, that instigators and initiators are never anywhere remotely close to being the same or nearly at fault. And it's like, I'm a big believer in domino effect. It's like, look, this does not happen if if he does not start it. If he or she does not start it or this thing does not kickstart, that's going to be the reaction. And it's like, even if it was malicious, sure, it was more malicious, the little ankle lock versus like the stomping on this guy, whatever. It's like, sure, it was more malicious. But again, we're, I'm talking about fault. It's like, dude. This guy is equally as fault, if not just about a notch below. And it's like, this is why no suspension should have occurred. Doesn't it feel like the NBA kind of wants the, to end the Warriors dynasty? And I, I, I wouldn't would understand why. Like, the Warriors bring in ratings and money to the league, but I feel like the owners don't like the Warriors because the Warriors go way, they go way over the that, that tax apron. They, they spend a lot of money. They spend more than other owners. I think they put pressure on other owners to do what they do and deal about how like all that stuff exactly and it's so i think called the warrior rule yeah so i think what the the league is trying to say you know this dynasty is over this way of building a team is over you can't do this anymore and we want more parity in the league because the warriors essentially said we don't care we will pay any tax we will pay any penalty to have this great dynasty together and now it seems like the league is like you know uh they're treating them like they're treating Draymond like he's nobody. Like, you're a four-time champion? We don't care. Goodbye. You, what you are is a four-time troublemaker, and we're treating you as such. Like, it's very disrespectful for a guy who, frankly, could be in their Hall of Fame one day. But no, they're treating him like Sabonis is the, is the Hall of Famer, which is crazy to me. Crazy. Anyway, let's, let's move on. If the lights turned off, if the lights turned off in the arena for like 10 seconds and turned on and they saw like one or two dudes like beat up and they were looking on the court like Draymond. Where's Draymond? Like, Where's Draymond? Like, what? That's what they're doing. That's all. That's, that's what true. they're doing right now. All right. So Draymond's not going to play game three at home. I believe the Warriors are still favored to win. Uh, they lost eight games at home all year, but Draymond is the defense. He's also the point guard. Um is this series over? If they lose game three, I think it's over. Do you think this series is over right now? Yeah, I think it's over. I think the Kings are winning. And I can see I can see the Warriors making a push again, and it'll go to seven. Look, I, I thought the Warriors were going to take it to seven against the Kings. As a respect to the Kings, I don't think too many people watch them. They were hella fun to watch. Um, number two is people underestimate Mike Brown's intelligence and his knowing of the Warriors system. So as much turnovers as the Warriors are throwing, and I know they throw turnovers. That's kind of the casual thing in the regular season. But a lot of them kind of seem forced and, like, structured-wise, that would be put in the defense. That's why you're seeing Draymond not really have too much of an impact. Mike Brown knows. He's smart. He's really smart. And the third thing is, the, I, I said this to you last week. I was like, you know, the Warriors, like, they trick off the, the regular season. And like you said, like, yeah. well, you can afford it when you've been to so many, like, uh, championship runs and you're tired and it's like, let's turn it on in the playoffs. And it's like, yeah, but basketball, it's like you really need to build up some momentum. If there was like yeah. if they had like the last like five to eight games like build some momentum, be like okay, cool, they could turn it on. But they had zero of that. They still haven't turned it on. And even they when still they still haven't to turned it on the regular season, it's yeah. like, dude, you can't just turn on the flip the switch. There's no such thing. That's why I thought it was going to take seven games because I thought they were going to have their first five games be a real struggle. They weren't going to beat them conventionally too many times, if at all. And it was going to take seven games because like we do, we got to really pick it up because we're sluggish. And, and then in the second round, that's when they start looking more like themselves. But now it's like now you're down two zero. 
I mean, again, if you can make it 2-2, great. You are a great position to win, but it's it's looking very bleak right now. And I just feel no confidence because it's either it's Steph Curry or die at this point. Steph Curry or die. If he does nothing, if he does not like goes Super Saiyan blue, Super Saiyan stupid on this on the Kings right now, then it's over because you don't have no one else to help. And I'm watching Jordan Poole out there looking like the second coming of Russell Westbrook. It's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, I, this series might have been over even if Draymond hadn't gotten suspended because, look, the, the Warriors have no bench. No bench. Their starting five is good. Jordan Poole is terrible. And they're terrible. saying they're saying that you know his, his foot's hurt or whatever. Dude, he's awful and unplayable. Gary Payton's good. Um, who else do they have after, off the bench that's good? DiVincenzo, kind of. He's okay. Is he good? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I like so Payton. So they got six players that you could trust, and one of them suspended. Yikes. I mean, it's meanwhile, you look at uh, the Kings. They have a legit bench. They have a really good starting five, too. And I think, well, one thing we're, we're seeing is they're really good in close games at the, down the stretch. We thought, oh, they're going to crumble. If it's close in the fourth quarter, you know, the, the Warriors experience, Steph Curry, they're just going to actually, you know, who's the, the clutch player of the year in the NBA this year? Darren Fox. Darren Fox. And all of a sudden, when, you know, he can be kind of quiet, but in the last five minutes of these games, he's taking over. So, yeah, I mean, this this series, uh, the Warriors are looking like the older, worst team. And, you know, it, you said to your point, you, they would look like this all year. It's possible that when Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole in the face, that didn't help. No. It's possible no, that didn't help things. No. Like, this huge, isn't a team. This is not a team. Why are they so good at home but so bad on the road? Because on the road, you have to hang out together. Right. You, you have to be together, and they don't want to, I don't think, because it's a weird freaking team. And so they lose all the time on the road. I don't know. They don't I feel like, like something's off with this team. They don't feel like in sync together. No, Andrew Wiggins just left. No, I'm sure he had, a, he had reason, but still, he just left. Like, this team is not cohesive at all. And they, th like, they thought they could just, uh, you know, get Gary Payton, bring... Yeah, yeah, they get Gary Payton back... Like, nah, it, you tricked off the whole year. The plan was to have Wiseman, Poole, and Kaminga be your bench. That didn't work. You have no bench. Like, you're trying to... Meanwhile, the Kings have everything. Like, you're screwed. You, it looks like you're screwed right now. And it, Steph is great, but he's also 35 years old. There's only so much he can do. There's definitely an arrogance of this, of this Warriors team that that was always put in display in years past, but this just feels egregious. Like, they're just going in there. Like, you got Draymond stocking fools, and they're just tricking off regular season again like ah, that's whatever we're resting it's all good everything like it was such on a level that they just tried to do everything and it's like we're just gonna skate by it this is the hardcore most skate by i've ever seen by the warriors in a regular season yeah. and that's what drove me nuts it's like and i, and I get the arguments like well when you're a championship team I'm not saying just you that you specifically said this because i know you're along the lines but right like, when you're a championship team it's like you, you can, can flip the that. switch yeah i get it but they 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 had an arrogance in the years past, but not to like this degree where we could just like yeah. you know just really really skate by and get away with all these things that you don't see other playoff teams doing. And I get it, you're using the years past, but this is a different team. They're older, you know. Again, like you said, it's it it, it was always started. It was always weird and tabooed the season. As soon as Draymond punched Jordan Poole, which by it's the way, not a team. Doing? What does he it's, do? What does right. he do? This yeah. team. I'm yeah. watching Mike Brown. It's right. like it's a mismatch. What does he do? What does he do? I don't know what he does. It's not a team. It's not cohesive. When Draymond punched Jordan Poole, that split the team. And then when they held on to, to uh, James Wiseman for half a season and finally brought a, brought back, traded him to bring back Gary Payton, like they didn't put a team together until like last week. Wiggins have been gone. Like the team, you know what I'm saying? Like I guess it was a little 
unrealistic to expect that just because three people on this team, maybe four counting Looney, have been through it all, that they could just bring together an eight-man, nine-man rotation out of thin air. Like, nah, it doesn't work that way, and the Kings are punishing you because they have it. Especially not cohesive nine man nine yeah. man rotation. It's like it's yeah. like, dude. At this point, it's like now you're learning to play together again. You're trying to get like real that sy- synergy really matters in basketball, especially, dude. This you can have. I know communication is big in basketball, but there's like something about that, just like having that flow, that ebb and flow in basketball. Just that's that's why you're going up and down the court. There's no time to rest. Like you really need that hardcore. And again, like going back to the head coach to the coaches. I'm sorry, I just can't let this go. Like Steve Kerr, what does he do? I'm watching do do? Mike Brown do so much. Yeah. And like I can't, I'm like I always ask people. I was like, what? What? Honestly, someone tell me what? What is some one good thing that Steve Kerr does? And do not say manage personalities. Do not say that. What does he do that's good? Because what I see what he does is good is ruin the team with these saving minutes, and he messes up the road. He hasn't gotten rotations right. It's no. been all season long, and it's happened in previous season, but especially this season, you're giving Anthony Lamb minutes over Moses Moody and John DeCaminda Kaminga. Who are who could have benefited from that playing time and looked better for you now and now when you need him need the most, they're not really going to be key contributors like that or you're going to pretty much flip a coin. I I just don't know what does he do. No one can tell me what well, he does. I I think one thing that he was good at right away, he put together a better coaching staff than Mark Jackson did. Yes, Mark Jackson's coaching staff sucked, and then all of a sudden, and, and I think Joe Lacob was like, dude, get the best assistant coaches. I'll pay for whatever. And Mark Jackson's like, no, I don't want to do that because I think he was threatened. That they, because he knew he, he wasn't good. Anyway, um, Kerr comes in and brings in Ron Adams. He eventually brings in Alvin Gentry. He eventually, he eventually brings in Mike Brown. And I think throughout the years when they were winning championships, they made some amazing adjustments mid playoff series to win. And now Brown's gone, Gentry's gone. Brown's making great adjustments in Sacramento. And it's like, it's just Kerr and what's that Jimmy's name? Kenny Atkinson. So, you got week you got game three at home. What you got? No Draymond. Do something impressive. Otherwise, you might think like maybe Steve Kerr was just an announcer who played in the league and you know looked good because Mark Jackson was before him, who was in the same position, and he just had really good assistant coaches. Don't know. That's very fair, and I think that I think that's it. I think that's it yeah. because look, Mike Brown leaves, turns the Kings into a star-studded team, number three team. So not only did he, did he did we see the Kings rise exponentially to the top but you see the warriors plummet pretty pretty damn bad they go for a top three team in the nba to being like a, a top five top eight team now like they're more like a, the four to eight range than the top three and keep in mind like steve kerr has been coaching since 2015 right they got him because he can communicate with the players the players respect him they know him he played in the league mike Brown is a career coach. He's been coaching in the NBA since 1997. In 97, Steve Kerr was a player for the Bulls. So I, I, it's something to be said for experience. Something to be said for, and I feel like Kerr has been leaning on very experienced people for a long time. Gentry, Brown, Adams. Well, now it's you and Kenny Atkinson. What you got? I think I saw, maybe it was Dubalas tweeted this, or maybe someone, I don't know, about like the Warriors have ran pick and roll and switch and roll, whatever it's like 41 times. And it's, it's garnering astonishing efficiency numbers. And it's like, but the numbers they're running it at are not enough. And it's like, Kurt doesn't Thanks, identify Steve. that or he does. Yeah. Cause I've seen, I've heard him. He's spoken about, how he's seen that. He's like, I can't just run pick and roll every time. And I was like, why not? If make it until they stop them. We, we say this yeah. all the time about Kyle, Kyle, run this play, these three plays, whatever. until they, until they can tell show you 
that they can stop him. Keep throwing it's this because he doesn't want to be Dan Tony. He doesn't want four, three players standing around while two players run pick and roll. He wants ball movement and man movement. That's fine the regular season, dude. But you always have to scrap that and go to Steph Curry pick and roll down the stretch in the playoffs to win. And I think he was thinking like, man, we got a long playoff run ahead of us. I'm not going to overreact and scrap my whole system in game one of the playoffs. Well, you should have because you're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs because you took the whole thing way too casually if you lose. And scrapping it might be his best case because Mike Brown already knows what they're going to run, right? Or at least to a degree. So at least degree. So maybe scrapping it's like, whoa, what the Where hell? did all those turnovers come from in, in game two? How come every single pass is so heavily contested? Every cut is so heavily contested. They're overplaying the cat passing lanes. Oh, but whenever they go in the in the whenever they try to get a three off, whenever they try to pass around, get a three, it's contested. Whenever they go to the rim, it's a layup. It's a layup. Right? I'm just yep, saying. They, they should probably take, do that. Not take what, what are they saying no. football again? They're take not, what the giving you, and they're not. It's like ah, not. highway or the highway. It's all good. Yeah. And they're going to adjust too late. Well, we'll see. You got game three. You haven't lost a, a road game yet. Um, essentially, you haven't broken serve, right? You're still okay. But this is where a good coaching performance would do something because you just lost your defense. And I called Draymond Green the point guard. I know he's not a point guard, but he tends to lead the team in assists like every year. So he's he essentially great. is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael McCann says NFL suspended Brady four games for deflating balls. Pause. I think six minutes and uh, one game for stomping a dude in front of a, a, the commissioner is fair. Stomping the dude. He stomped. He stomped Demontis Sabonis like like the him, Rock would. Yeah, man. It was like a, it was a WWF stomp. Can we stop with the histrionics? No one got hurt. These are all professional athletes who weigh like two hundred fifty pounds. Relax. I Relax. think the whole case of like, oh, he was antagonizing the crowd in front of Silver, and it's like. Okay. What did he do? He just, what did he do? Okay. He, he literally, what like you said, WWE. He's just, I like, love yeah, shit like that. Like, What's wrong with that? He didn't I love shit off, like that. He didn't cuss him. No. He didn't say anything. Like, I, he didn't go in the stands and punch anyone like Ron Artest. He didn't. Come on. The same way that fans can like chirp to the players, I have no problem when the athletes do it back. I have no problem at all. Now, when, now, now, if it becomes like personal or racial, that's when it's like, okay, yeah, like, like, yeah. like when Russell, like when Russell Westbrook and LeBron kicks these fans out. And it's like, what are they really saying to you? Or is it yeah, just like, screw you, LeBron, F you? And it's like, you're getting a little soft. Like, I'm all for the back and forth. It's fun. Dennis Rodman kicked a photographer and got suspended. That was not okay. I, mean, I don't <laughs> know if you remember that. He kicked a photographer. Draymond hasn't done anything like that. Uh, ha ha, ho ho, LOL, says Lowell Cone for president. Thank you very much. Kevin F says Sabonis a weasel. He uh, is a weasel. And it's like, look, he, he did dirty stuff on that play, got away with it. You know what? More power to you. The refs looked at the play on replay a hundred times. The NBA looked at it. Nothing. Nothing for that weasel. Really? That's not even his fault at that point. That's on the NBA. You watched the play a million times. I, I could show you what he did that was dirty and instig instigatory. That's not a word. Last thing. Do you think the Warriors are going to trade Draymond Green this offseason? Man, it's gotten awkward. He punched Jordan Poole and then the video got leaked. Who leaked it? I have my thoughts. People that probably had possession of it. And then they haven't extended his contract. He clearly wants that. He's gotten so upset about this. It seems like he's putting himself like above the team, punching dudes, doing the podcast, getting kicked out, stomping dudes. Yell. I mean, like I, he doesn't care at all anymore. I, can they repair this relationship or do they trade him? No, I think after he got, after he did that punch, I was like, all right, he, and I always felt like I was a big Draymond Green defender. But the last like year and a half, he's gotten a little too much for me. He's like, all right, Draymond, come on. It's real. Now I feel like you're trying too hard. 
And then he did that. It's like, wow, wow. You don't do that, man. You don't do that to your teammate slash brother, especially when you're a leader. And I remember Marcus Thompson, maybe it was Marcus Thompson or someone who's very close to like wrote about like a hell of players. Look at that. It's like, wow, we felt well, what, no, it was Marcus Thompson. I remember reading it. It was a beautiful article about like, I felt, we felt like we look at him different now. Cause he's supposed to be the big unk. It's like, I get like Jordan Poole was probably being annoying and cynical in that moment, whatever. It's like, dude, you, at that point, you're supposed to pull him aside and be like, yo, calm the hell right. down. Not, right. not just for you're not 25 anymore, nowhere. man. You're 32 and you're supposed to be wise, gray bearded and control your emotions poised. And look, I, I guess we've forgotten too that Jordan Poole pushed him, but it was like one of those like, man, forget you. Like, like really? Like, come on. Like, we're just going to like. Yeah, like, like Jordan Poole wasn't expecting a fight or trying to start a fight. No one does in the NBA. The NBA is soft, no. man. This is why yeah. they, they proved it right now with this Draymond Green suspension. It's like, it's like I would expect someone to punch Jordan Poole back if it was like another fellow bench player like him. Yeah. Not Draymond. Draymond's supposed to be like the leader in the team. They always say this, and it's like he's supposed yeah. to be like, be like, yo, you better calm your ass down. It's almost like the coach pun pu punching Jordan Poole, right? Like he's the coach. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. It's like just if anyone were the player coach on the Warriors, like Bill Russell was in the in the sixties and seventies or whenever he was, uh, it would be Draymond. But you can't be punching your players, Draymond. <laughs> you yeah. can't. I don't know how they replace him, though. I feel like replacing Draymond is at least two players. It's it, He's your center, and he's a guy who can move Steph off the ball, bring the ball up the court, lead the fast break, pass. You know what I'm saying? Like, who... Also, if he if he's available, I could see someone... I could see a lot of teams wanting Draymond Green. I feel... Yeah, he loves LeBron, but... Dude, Lillard would kill for... Draymond Green. I bet you Lillard feels the difference between Steph Curry and his career is Draymond Green. Because Lillard has to do everything. What if he got to play with Draymond and Draymond got to pull the, uh, take the ball up the court and Lillard got to play off the ball? Just saying. I bet you that's what he thinks. Maybe he might be right. He might not be right. I'm, I'm just dead set that he's going on Lakers. LeBron's going to do everything in his power to use his magical wand to get whatever he wants and bring him over. JCK510 says, okay, but with the way Poole has regressed, maybe the punch was justified. The regression had happened after. Or maybe he regressed because Draymond punched him in the face and he lost confidence because no one in the organization really stuck up for him. I mean, the organization basically, someone in the organization leaked it probably, and he was embarrassed and they didn't really do anything to Draymond. So that further embarrassed Jordan Poole, made him feel like, you know, not that important. Even they gave him money. You little yeah. boy, him. You're, you just became the embarrassment of the NBA for that whole month. And it's like, yeah. now everyone's going to hold that against you. You're going to have random rival fans talking about, like, you got punched. That's forever. You got punched. And tattooed. Not, not even just right, random, rival, random rival fans, but random rival players. What do you think they say to him on the court? Hey, how are things with you and Draymond? Damn. Yeah. That's all you got to say, right? How, how are things yeah. with you and Draymond? You, you yeah, work that out? Just mention little yeah. things. Like, go tiptoe around What's it. What's up? Hey, why do you do that to you? Why do you punch you? I saw that was messed up. Why do you punch you? Hey, man, why do you do that to you, dog? I'm on your side. Damn, yeah, it's just that's just so much like mind-boggling mental stuff, and it's like but, if they trade Draymond, their their uh, dynasty's over. They were not a dynasty until they got Draymond. They haven't won shit without him. He the, he might be nuts. He might be out of control. They're not winning another championship if they trade him. That's my prediction. They better not. If he comes back, not. he's gonna be cheaper. They can't be giving him like all this astronomical money, like market value. It's like he's not worth that anymore. They gotta get. They gotta make sure he's not putting himself above the team anymore either it seems like they can't control that otherwise he would have they would have bought out right jumped the shark a little bit like because you want edgy draymond edgy draymond's good but he feels like he's gone beyond the edge a little bit right now i mean 
it seemed like he was begging to get suspended when he started yelling at the crowd, right? I mean, you know Adam Silver's there. How much do you not give a fuck, Draymond? Because <laughs> you didn't ever, but now it seems like you really don't. And you got to give a fuck a little bit in life sometimes. Frankie HB says, what if the whole team wanted to punch Poole and Draymond just took care of business? Poole seems low-key annoying. Then fine, but you, you don't have a, a cohesive team with good chemistry. And you can't all of a sudden act surprised when you're down 2-0 to the Kings in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, you didn't respect the process of building a team and, and winning a championship this year. You didn't. You just didn't. And I didn't need to watch every regular season game to know that. Did no. you? No. Jordan Poole, though, man. Talk about a regression. And I loved him last year. He was sweet. He was amazing. That Memphis Grizzlies series, but not even just that, just the whole playoffs last year and parts of the regular season, it was like, it, I was a fan. And then all of a sudden, I was even, and I sympathized with him. I was on his side. On the Draymond thing, I don't. It's kind of hard pressed to think no one is, but anyways, after Watson, like the last like three months, especially, it's like you know the first half of the season, like okay, maybe he's just rusty, he's shaking off. I didn't blame him for that, right? The mental aspect, and then it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like it's the final seconds of the quarter, and you're there with Steph Curry, and you're just over there, like I'm gonna take it. it I'm seeing so much Russell Westbrook, OKC, Kevin Durant, everything. It's like I don't care if I got a better, significantly better player than me. I got this. It's like. I, I get on occasions, but constantly, consistent. The intellect, dude. They're talking about his foot's half. It's like you're driving into the lanes out of control. It's like the, you're shooting early in the shot clock. It's just his, his game's just infuriating me now. It's like it doesn't look like the same Jordan Poole in the past. And you, you see what happened. Also, you, you mentioned why. what the hell does Steve Kerr do? What the hell is Steve Kerr do? Like Jordan, uh, Draymond Green's yelling at the crowd and Steve Kerr's standing there like an idiot doing nothing. I'm saying they let him do that. I think he's openly admitted that we just let him do what he wants. Great. Well, then what do you do? He's the coach then. He's the coach of the team. What do you do? So it's I don't just, know. Jeffrey Ray says, we are playing poker, get dealt a hand of cards and get a little, uh, bet a little too much. Do we fold and lose it all or go all in, bluff and see if the cards fall in our favor? Too much invested in trade to not try. And that's tough to follow. Playing poker, dealt a hand of cards, bet a little too much. Do we fold and lose it all or go all in, bluff, and see if the cards fall in our favor? Too much invested in trade and not try. I like it. I read it twice. Very much interesting. <laughs> invested. You don't get it because you don't play poker. That's why. I got it. Uh, I mean, I, I, okay. That's the show. That's Thanks for in. listening to us talk basketball. Um, you know, it, if the Warriors lose this series and the Kings win, I'm still going to talk about the Kings. I'm interested in the Kings. I feel like that's a team that's going places. Year, They're very fun. So I'm not going to stop talking about uh, basketball until both of those teams are out this year. I feel like a lot of Warrior, fan, a lot of Niner fans are interested in the Kings, and I'm interested in the Kings. And I'm not a Warrior fan. If, if people think I'm a Warrior fan because I'm defending Draymond Green, I respect him because I consider him a all-time great player. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I'm not a fan of the Warriors at all. In fact, it amuses me to watch Steve Kerr and this team, Joe Lacob, kind of get what they deserve after what they did to their bench and how they treated this entire season. The James Wiseman thing, that's what you get. You held on to him two years too long, and you finally realize that you, you can't really work with young players. You have no vets on your bench who are any good. Look at the Lakers. They got that Hachimura guy. Why are the, why are the Warriors get him? He's good. I've seen so many fans talk about, like, why can't we just get one more additional, like, solid role, role big player, like a three or a four guy? Otto five. Porter Jr. was decent last year. He was really good. Where's that guy? Anthony Lamb, I guess to see if he can do that. Um, tomorrow. Anyway, is it tonight? Tomorrow. tomorrow. Tonight? Tomorrow. Okay, because you see how much I care about basketball. Thanks for watching, everyone.
Uh, Jose, good stuff. I'll talk to you probably later today. Peace.